Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. While you're standing, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Galatians, uh, chapter number six. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I love this time of year. I used to really... Um, this time of year used to really be a downer time for me. You know, Christmas time is over, the excitement and the anticipation, it's all gone and move into another year. It's like it all starts over again and uh, you try to get get your rhythm, pick up momentum and all that. And it just seems to be such a drag. But um, several years ago, my family and I started sitting down around this time of year and writing out, you know, some things that we were thankful for looking back. I think it's good to reflect and look back over uh, what what uh, happened in the past year and, and then also just write down some goals, write down some things that um, you would like to accomplish in the new year. And so when we started doing that, I really started to enjoy, really look forward to this time of year to kind of reflect, but then kind of get a vision for uh, the upcoming year. And so I'm going to talk to us a little bit about uh, about that today and, and how powerful um, everyday decisions are. And so we're going to read Galatians chapter 6, and this is what the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then focusing on on verse number 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. I just want to talk to you from this uh, title this morning, uh, Steps steps. God bless you. You may be seated. Back in uh, 2003, hard to believe that was 20 years ago. 2003, the year before I graduated high school. And um, back then, uh, the British cycling team had had made a change in their organization um, that at really changed the, the, the fate of the team. The organization, which was the, the governing body of professional cycling. Any cyclers in the house today? Did you cycle this morning on your way here? No? So um, this organization, the governing body, which was the governing body for professional cycling in Great Britain, had hired a man uh, named Dave Brailsford. And uh, they hired him as their new performance director. Um, and uh, if you go back and look at the story, at the time, professional cyclists in Great Britain had endured nearly 100 years of mediocrity. Uh, go all the way back to 1908, you had British riders that had won just a single gold medal at the Olympic Games. And, and, and they had fared even worse in the, the, the biggest cycling event of the, of the year, which is the Tour de France. And so um, zero uh, championships or zero victories in that. And so in 110 years, there had been no British cyclist had, had ever won uh, the event. In fact, 
the performance of British riders had been so underwhelming that one of the top bike manufacturers in Europe refused to even sell them bicycles at, at because of the risk of uh, the public opinion of their company. These people are losers. We're not going to sell them bikes so that they can have our brand and people can see somebody coming in last place and, and never winning anything. So they refuse to sell them bikes, give them gear. But this hire, this new hire uh, that they had, Dave Brailsford, he had been hired to put British cycling back on the map to bring about a new trajectory. And, and what made this man different uh, than previous coaches was his relentless commitment to a strategy that he referred to as the aggregation of marginal gains, which was the philosophy of searching for tiny margins of improvement in everything that you do. The idea was that if you broke everything down about cycling, if you broke every area of it down and you improved every area by 1%, you will get a significant increase when you put them all back together. And so the coach and his team, they started making small adjustments. And I mean very small adjustments, but a lot of them. I'll just give you just a handful of them. They 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 redesigned the the seat of the bike to make it a little bit more comfortable for their riders. They would rub alcohol on the tires for better grip. They they asked their uh, riders to use new technology in in the gear that they were wearing, and and they hooked up this new technology to see how their bodies were responding to particular workouts. They tested out various fabrics in, in a wind tunnel and had their outdoor riders switch to indoor race suits, uh, which proved to be lighter and more aerodynamic. And it didn't stop there. They, they went a step further, and they tested out different types of massaging gels to see which one led to the fastest muscle recovery. And they even hired a surgeon to teach each rider the best way to wash their hands to reduce the risk of catching a cold. And all of these little details, okay, about their, they determined the best type of pillow and mattress that led to the best night's sleep for each specific rider, understanding that their bodies were different. And as these and hundreds of other small improvements accumulated, the results came faster than anyone could have ever imagined. Just five years after taking over, the British cycling team dominated the road and track cycling events at the next Olympic Games, which is 2008, where they won an astounding 60% of the gold medals that were available. So four years, and, and even further, four years later, they raised the bar as they set nine Olympic records and seven world records. That same year, one of their riders the became the first British cycler to win the Tour de France. The year after it, his best friend won, and then he even won again in 2015, 16, and 17. So during a 10-year span from 07 to 17, the British cyclists won 178 world championships and 66 Olympic gold medals and captured five Tour de France victories. How does that happen? 
How in the world, how does a team previously, uh, of previously ordinary athletes transform into world champions with tiny changes that at first glance would seem to make a modest difference at best? You see, it's so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Too often, you and I, we convince ourselves that massive success requires massive action, right? Meanwhile, improving 1% isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it isn't even noticeable, but it can be far more meaningful, especially in the long run. Amen. I enjoy listening to podcasts. Any podcast listeners out there? Amen. I, I, I like to, especially if I, I'm traveling, traveling for work or traveling even on vacation when the family falls asleep, I throw in the, in the AirPod and, and listen to a podcast secretly while everybody else is sleeping, especially if it's murder, mystery, or crime or something like that. But I like to listen to all sorts of things. I enjoy the crime, the crime junkie stuff. It's, it's fun. Uh, a little dark, but I mean, it is, you know, it's, I like to listen to the stories. Uh, it is a little scary. I don't listen to it late at night, but um, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy listening to a, a variety of, of different, different podcasts, preaching podcasts, leadership podcasts, financial. Um, and I remember hearing something on, on an episode one time uh, talking about this very topic, talking about habits. And I've talked about habits before several years ago. I think this is a good time to kind of hone in on that because as we're setting out in the year and we want to have a good year, we want to be successful, uh, this is the time to do it. So some of this information that I'm going to cover this morning, you've heard before, but let's face it, I've been here for several years now. You're going to hear some of the same stuff, okay? So, um, but I remember hearing something that was said on one of these podcasts and it, was, it, it really stuck with me. Um, and they were talking about why do habits matter? Why are habits so important? And the, uh, you can kind of sum it up with this answer. And, and it is this, that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally, okay? Talking about those 1% changes every single day and little tweaks here and little steps there and little redirection here. Successful people in any area of success, if someone is spiritually thriving, okay, and they're close to God, they're consistently living the disciplines that help them grow closer to God. Okay, you look at you look at any successful person, take a financial person uh, that, that's successful. You know what they're doing? They are consistently, consistently doing things. They are making steps, small steps, uh, small decisions over time that other people will never do, okay? And, and it's all about small things leading in a direction of big things over time. And we see this even in the lives of those that we read about in Scripture. I don't think anybody here would, would argue uh, that, that when we look at the life of Jesus, I don't think anyone would say that Jesus wasn't successful. Anyone? <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to say that he, he wasn't successful. The Apostle Paul is a huge success story. If you, if you take a look at their lives, you'll never come across a moment where Jesus ever said, ah, I'm just so busy. 
I, I don't have time to pray today. I, I don't have time to do that. And then he never said that. Jesus never said that. What you will see, though, is a consistent habit of breaking away from the crowds to have a time of prayer. Okay, The apostle Paul did not make excuses either. Acts 17 and 2 says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. He had the habit of going to the house of God. He had the habit of going to share his faith with those who were not in the family of God. And so, so habits are powerful. Habits matter. One writer put it this way, that we become what we repeatedly do. Amen. You, you'll probably acknowledge that this is a good time of year again to talk about habits because this is the time of year that people create New Year's resolutions. Anybody do that this year? No? Nobody? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. One person in the room. But you probably thought about it. You probably thought about, hey, I need to, I need to make some changes. There's something I need to do uh, in my life. And, and I'm all for it. It's, and I, I would 100% agree that you do that. But, but here's the, there's good news and bad news that's associated with it, right? It's good news that people want to change. It's good news that people are wanting to be better, okay? Even if you rocked last year, even if you just, you so just impactful, the year was amazing, uh, whatever it is uh, that, that the, the, uh, the key performance indicators that you have in your life that say this was a successful year, whatever those are in your life, and you rocked last year, I still don't think that you should sit back and just mail in this next year, okay? I think it would serve you well to say, okay, we did this good. How can we make it better, okay? We were good in this area. How can we tweak? Can we tweak it just a little bit to make it better? I think that's a good thing. It's good news that people want to change. The bad news is this, is that according to studies, 92% of New Year's resolutions fail by the second Friday in January, which was a couple of days ago. Sorry for the one who had a New Year's resolution. <laughs> 92%, oh, 92% fail by the second week, second Friday in, in January. That's bad news. So uh, if you do yourself a favor and you reflect over last year, you, I think you would definitely, you would definitely agree with me. It's, it's good to do this. Okay. And, 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 I mean, picture yourself. There, there you are. And it's an exciting time, right? Man, the going into the new year where there you are, brand new notepad, brand new pen, and, and we're going to write some stuff down, and we're going to smash this year. We're going to be so successful. Uh, and, and a lot of times you end up feeling like the um, Apostle Paul in Romans 7 when he says, uh, for that which I do, I allow not. For uh, what, I, what I would you know that that do I not, but what I what I hate that's that's what I that's what I end up doing. Okay, that verse begins with a striking paradox. For that which I do, I allow not. the The Greek word translated "allow" here means I know, I understand, or I acknowledge. Hence, while the sentence may indicate. I do not approve of my own actions. More specifically, it's meaning I don't even understand my own actions. I, I love the way that another version puts it. It puts it this way. It says, I'm a mystery to myself. Anybody ever felt that way? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why did I just do that? I don't understand. 
And people will look at you, they're like, what's wrong with you? I don't understand you. Like, I don't understand me either right now. I, I'm a mystery to me. I don't, under, I don't get it either. For I want to do what's right. I, I want to, but end up doing what's, what's wrong. We've been there before. I want to stop putting things off. I want to stop overspending. I, I want to stop all the junk food. I want to stop those late night bowls of cereal. I, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. I'm not preaching against it. He goes on to say, oh, wretched man that I am. You know what he's doing? He's doing what most of us do. He, he's connecting his failure, okay? I do what I don't want to do. He connects it to his identity. Oh, wretched man that I am. What a failure. You're a failure. How can I, how can I call myself a Christian? How can I call myself a leader? This isn't Christ-like. This isn't godly. I'm not disciplined. I'm a wretched man. And then he asks the question, and we see him shift in his thinking. He says, who shall deliver me from this body uh, of this death? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and is dominated by death? And he looks to the source, the only one who can truly change us. And he says, thank God, thank God that the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who can change us? Who can deliver us? Who can set us free? And, and, and you may feel a little bit like Paul right now. You're a mystery to yourself. You're confusing to yourself. The things that you do, the things that you say, and yet you're confused, and you don't know why you keep doing the things that you don't want to do. But I want to encourage you to do what Paul did. Paul looked to the source. Jesus is our source. He acknowledged it. Thank God. He's acknowledged. Thank God that he is our strength, and it's not up to my own strength. He is my hope, and it's not, I got to find it in another. He is the one that makes all things new. And, and it, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you came from, because Jesus can take all things, and he can make them new. Can you say amen? Amen. So why is it that so many of us, um, I think a lot of, a lot of us, all of us, I think we all have good intentions. I think, I, I think we have really good intentions. We want to do right. We want to live right. We want to make good decisions. We want to make the necessary changes in our lives. And we want to, we want those things. We want to get more organized, whatever, whatever it is, but, but we fail again and again and again. Why is that? And I want to show you just, just a few reasons why, um, we don't succeed when we have those good ambitions, those good intentions. Um, and the very first one is to me a huge one. Um, and this is what I, I've struggled with, what I see a lot of people struggle with, is that we spend so much time and we spend so much energy focusing on, on the, the what needs to be changed um, rather than trying to understand the process of how it, it gets changed, okay? And I was, I've spoken about this before, the, the concept versus commitment battle. A lot of us like the concept, the idea of something, but we really don't care for or understand the commitment that comes along uh, with that. I shared the story a long time ago about me owning a dog for less than 24 hours. Uh, somebody gave me a dog. I was like, this is cool. I want a dog. And I was like, 
this is great. The thing peed on my rug right by my bed. I was like, I don't want the dog. Like, get the dog out of here. I, I found out about how to clip his toenails and all this stuff and, and shots and food and, and all this stuff. And, and I wasn't committed to it. I liked the idea of owning a dog, like walking a dog and just and, and all that stuff and just having a pet. I'm not an animal person. Just when you boil it all down, I'm just not an animal person. But um, I wasn't committed to owning this dog. I wasn't, I didn't understand the commitment that was involved with that. And a lot of times we do that. We, we focus on the action that we want to perform, the thing that we want to accomplish, the thing that we write on our, on our whiteboard and we circle. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to accomplish. But we don't understand how to get there. Okay, think about it. Almost everybody you know has, for the most part, similar goals. If we were to pass the mic around this morning, and we probably could with this crowd. We have time. Pass the mic around and just, you know, hey, what, what, you know, what's really important to you in life? Most of you would probably say the same thing. Most of us would say something, uh, you know, in the, in, uh, uh, about you wanting to be healthy, uh, you wanted to be a better husband, better wife, better father, better mother. I, I don't know who anybody who's not saying any of those things, okay? I don't know anybody who's like going the opposite route on the, on the health journey. You know, this year, Bryce, my, my goal is to just have dangerously high cholesterol. I hope to eat as much as I possibly can and just, and just disappoint my doctor. Nobody's doing that. I mean, if you are, the altar's open this morning already, but um, nobody's doing that. I don't know anybody that, that is saying that. You know, you know I, don't, I don't know. When it comes to finances, most people, you know, I want to be debt-free. I want to get this paid off. I want to get, I'm tired of just all this money going out. I want to figure it out. I want to figure out my, my finances, and I, 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 or, or I want to I give more this year. I want to be generous. Yeah, I don't know anybody who's saying, I want to max out every card that I have. I, I, I just want all of this debt. I want all of this paper that comes to my house every single month and money just going out. No, 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 no. Nobody is saying that. A lot of times, I mean, we, uh, we, we surveyed, we kicked off a, a self-evaluation for our praise team and our uh, different people that are used in service and, and uh, just to say, hey, what are some things that, you know, what's a growth What's, a, what's an opportunity of growth for you this year? Or what would you like to achieve? And, and several people are like, you know, I want to be more in tune with God. I want to be more in tune with the, the Holy Ghost. And, and, and I want to be as close to God as we and, and we do. People want that. People want to work on their prayer life. People want to be faithful. Most of us have those similar types of goals or hopes. But the results are dramatically different. And it, and it makes you stop. It makes you wonder. Why are some people achieving their goals and others are failing? It's bizarre to me to think that successful people and unsuccessful people have the very same ambition, the very same goals. Think about it. At the, at the beginning of any season of, of, of sports, and I, forgive me for the sports analogy, I'm a guy and I like sports, but... What does, what does the coach say to the team, okay, at the beginning of the season? They all have the same goal, right? Hey, we're shooting for a championship here. We're shooting to win, okay? I don't know any coaches that are saying, you know what, guys? We're shooting for fourth place this year. Fourth place is where we want to be. We want to be in fourth place. No, 
we're all shooting. We're shooting to, to win, okay? We all want something similar, but we end up with very different results. Why? Why? There's a, there's a book out there, and I, I really encourage you to read it. It's called Atomic Habits, and the author is James Clear. And one of the things that he teaches is this idea that goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. You see, goals are great to have. Goals are wonderful to have. But it is truly the systems in our life that make the difference. It is the systems that we have in place that determine success. And he, he wrote this in his book, and he says, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. If you think about any great organization, any great organization uh, that is successful, that is just smashing it, and their shareholders are so happy, and they're continuing to invest and throw money at it, and they're just moving on up. The, those, those companies, are, are they, they turn into legacy companies because it's all about the systems that they have in place. And they get their people, their employees in the system. They get them trained, and they, they understand the process, and they understand the details about what makes them who they are, what makes them successful. And when you read the Bible through the lens of that thought, you will see examples all over the place of successful people because of godly systems or unsuccessful people because of the lack of systems. Okay, Daniel is a, is a great example. Why was Daniel successful? Why was it that amongst a bunch of other people did he stand out to the leaders as godly and gifted and talented and different? Why is it? It's because Daniel had a system in place. Daniel had decided that, that no matter what he was doing, he had already made up his mind that three times a day he would stop whatever he was doing and he would get along with God. And he would spend time with God. That was his system. Hear me today. If you have the right process, if you have the right system in place, godly systems, then you will more likely become the person that you want to become. Here's the mistake, though, that we tend to make. We tend to think, um, I want to change the results. I, I want to I be more organized. I want to be fit. I want to be healthy. I'm going to go to the gym. Uh, I'm going to get in the gym, and I'm going to turn this, my healthy, uh, this lifestyle that I'm in, I'm going to turn it around. And, and, and the problem is this. We have to change the systems that create those results. If we will fix what we do, how we live, the, the habits, the small steps that we're taking every single day, if we will change those, if we will tweak those just a little bit, the outcomes will fix themselves. Is this making sense? And I don't know about you, but that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the process. I'm interested in the how. How does this get done? How does this get accomplished? It's not what, but it's the process. How do we accomplish this goal? What's the steps that I need to take? Another reason that we give up so quickly and, and more than 90% of our uh, New Year's resolutions fail is because we don't see progress fast enough. Amen? A couple of believers. We don't see progress fast enough. We are a definitely the microwave generation. And it's got to be the, 
you know, we, we want it now. We want the change now. Um, we, <laughs> you know this because in some area of your life, we're, okay, I'm going to eat right. After a week of eating right, you get on the scale and you gain two pounds. <laughs> hey, muscle weighs more than fat. Just to let you know that. Okay? It's not the weight that you want to be concerned with. What, does, what do you want to look like? That's what you want. That, and that's free. Okay, here we go. Um, but we don't see the results fast enough. All of a sudden, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. All this healthy eating didn't work. That didn't do me anything. And we don't see the results fast enough. And because of that, we tend to make the mistake. And the mistake is this. We wrongly conclude that's, that the small good steps uh, don't matter that much. We wrongly conclude that, conclude that this small decision that I made, this small step that I decided to take this week, this God-honoring habit, this small faithful decision, good and positive, it was a good and positive action. It doesn't make that big of a difference at all because we didn't see the results fast enough. You take it on the flip side, though, the, the, the not-so-good thing. What do we do? We, we ate the bowl of ice cream. We stepped on the scale and no, nothing changed. I even weigh a little bit lighter. Okay. Or, or getting more spiritual, we, we, we skip church for a weekend. And, oh, pastor, my whole life didn't fall apart. Nothing was wrecked. Nothing happened to me. We, 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 skipped, we skipped a Sunday, and, and nothing happened. Nothing fell apart. Nothing tragic happened to my family. So we, we, we go ahead, and we go it, and we take it a step further and a step further, and nothing changes. And so then we wrongly conclude that the small, bad steps, decisions, don't impact our life that much either. The small good decisions aren't affecting me, and the small bad decisions aren't doing anything to me either. And we miss the truth of what it is impacting our lives in a massive way. The truth of the matter is who you are today is the culmination of all of the small steps that you've taken in your entire life. Everyone is here this morning because of the everyday choices that you've made up to this point in life. Now, I can't see the trajectory of each and every one of you. I surely hope is that it is in this way. And that's what church is, is really about, is kind of helping us. How do we keep, continue this trajectory rather than the opposite? But all of us are here this morning because of the result of all the choices that we've made in our entire life. They all matter, and they all add up over time. So what happens is you rarely wreck your life and, and, and end up just at the bottom of it all, all at one time. What tends to happen, though, is you take small steps. One here, a little compromise here, a little setback here, 
and a, and a choice over here and this one and that one. And we cut this corner and we lie a little bit here and, and we cut out a service or two a, a, a month. And I don't really need to pray today. It's OK. I'm, I'm really busy. I'm in a hurry. And and I, I read my Bible a few days ago. And so I'm I'm good. And then one day we wake up in the morning and we wonder. How, how in the world did I mess my life up so bad? It didn't happen at one time. It didn't happen all at once, but it was little by little by little. How did we do it? One bad step at a time. And then you take someone in any, any area of their life, they're, <laughs> they're just so successful. They're crushing every day. They're just, they're, their life is so impactful, and, and, and everything seems to be going right in their life, and they're they're living the end result of what you're desiring, what you, what you want, and you look at that and you think, well, how did they get there? How are, how are they so blessed? How are they so successful? Can I tell you, they didn't get there all at once. They didn't get there. Again, it was steps. It was one small step at a time. It was a moment of self-sacrifice for them. It was a small discipline that was done again and again and again. It was them in the, the grind of it all that they spent time in prayer when they didn't feel like praying and they fasted when they didn't feel like fasting and they went to church and they remained faithful to church even though there were times, there were days, there were seasons where they didn't feel like doing that. They were going through all of the difficult stuff the difficult conversations that were had to be had the early mornings and the late nights and the grind of faithfulness and all the perseverance that it took for you to get to a certain point. And people don't see that. They don't understand it. But you realize it was one small step at a time, one small faithful step after another over a period of years that led you to a place that everybody else wants to be. I've chatted with folks before. I referenced earlier our survey that we sent out, and, and there are people that have a desire to be a better Christian, a strong desire to know the word of God more and to be effective in their witness. I can remember the days of opening up the Bible. In fact, still that where there are some things that you come across that like, I don't get this. I don't understand it. But I can remember being in circles of conversation and being lost in conversation because I didn't understand that spiritual side of things. There was a time I remember those times of, of, of being confused and not really knowing what was what people were talking about but and or what the pastor was preaching but let me encourage you this morning the journey that you and I are all on is a daily journey and it is traveled one step at a time one small decision here and one small decision there showing up when it's negative 20 degrees outside and just taking a step in the right direction and not overlooking the power of that. You just keep being faithful. You just stay committed to your prayer life. 
our God, the Bible says, is a rewarder of them that seek him diligently. You may not see results for a period of time in, 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 in a lot of areas. You may not see results for a period of time, but just know and understand that the temperature is rising in your life. Your faith is being stored up, and at some point, there's a tipping point, and it becomes obvious, and people will probably call you an overnight success, but they don't have any idea of all the private sacrifices, all the faithfulness all the consistency of just one step one step one step failing and starting again failing and starting again falling and getting back up again praying and seeking God it's what's invisible and people don't see it but you know it you know that it's the steps that you've taken the steps that have been ordered by the Lord I like in our text this morning the the way that the Apostle Paul said it to the believers in Galatia. He said this, let us not become weary in doing good. Let's not become weary in honoring God. Let's not become weary in doing the right things and making the right choices and taking the right steps. Let's not get weary in getting up an extra 30 minutes earlier so that we can seek the face of God, so that we can have time with God. Let's not become weary in, in fasting before God for the proper time. At the proper time, Paul says, we will reap a harvest. If we don't give up, if we faint not, why do we tend to fail so often? Why, why do we tend to fail? Because a lot of times we, we're focused on the wrong thing. We're not, our eyes aren't on the process of how do we get what we want? How do we become the person that we're desiring to be? We don't see progress fast enough. It's not happening as quickly as we'd like to. Or lastly, we might have identity issues. And what does our enemy do? Our enemy tries to connect our failures to identity. You failed, so I guess that means you are a failure. He'll try to get you to realize that you did bad, you know, therefore you, that's who you are. You are. You are bad. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul as he recognized, I try to do what's right, and I don't. Oh, what a miserable person I am. When you look, and I'll ask our music to come, when you, um, when you look at some of the most effective people in the Word of God, you know what you find? You find people that battle with identity issues. In the Old Testament specifically, somewhere along the way, Moses, he didn't live up to his own expectations. And so God, when God called him, he said, God, me? Not me? Why? I'm not a, I'm not a public speaker, God. I, I'm, not, I'm not a good leader. I... I stutter, there's no way that I could do this. You're, you're talking to the wrong guy. He identified some failure inside of himself, and he came to the conclusion that that's who I am. And that it's, it's going to sabotage any potential that I have. 
the same is true with Gideon. And then Apostle Paul that we've talked about today, he said, I'm unqualified. You're not, it's not me. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I, don't have the, I don't have the right education to be a leader. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the least, and I feel incredibly unworthy. And here's what happens. An unhealthy identity creates unwise steps. And then those unwise steps, they reinforce the unhealthy identity. It's cyclical. We don't see ourselves as godly. Therefore, we don't live in a way that's godly. We don't feel like our life pleases the Lord. Therefore, we don't live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And it's a cycle. And it becomes very, very negative over time. But this year, I hope to push you a little bit. I hope to push you a little bit different. And I'm going to ask you to, to start with not, 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 not what are you, what do you want to do, but I want to start with identity and ask you to ask yourself, who do I want to be this year? Who do I want to become? Who do you want to become? Who is it that when people describe you, this is how you want them to describe you? Who is that? You might say some things like, I want to be a, I want to be, I want to be a true, right man of God, woman of God. It's a great goal. That is a wonderful goal. And the reason I believe we should think this way is because here's what happens. Identity will begin to shape action in your life. Because when you know who you are, there's, that's powerful. When you know who you are. It is a powerful thing to have that box checked in your life because identity shapes action. You may say, but, the, you know, but this is just who I am. I can't change Remember God's word. Romans 6 and 6 says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that the sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. You have become slaves to righteous living. When you know who you are. Who are you today in Christ? Do we know who we are? Can I tell you what the Bible says? This is who we are. You're the redeemed of the Lord. You are righteous in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. And you can do all things, not by your own power, but through Christ who gives you and I the strength. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Oh, thanks be to God. The answer is in Jesus Christ. He can set you free. He can set you on a new path. He can take you to the next level. There will be no single action that will change your identity, but it is consistent steps over a period of time. 
one step here, one step there that changes your identity. And all of a sudden, you find yourself doing things consistently what other people do occasionally. Steps. Stay with me this morning. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.